Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about to books. One, two, one, two, three, four. And welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. Good news, Sid. What is that? We've got the food of 2014. Food of 2014? I've selected my food of 2014. Now, I'm really excited to hear what it is. But before you tell me, I think you should probably explain why you have a food of 2014. Okay, well, a lot lot of people probably don't do this. Uh, I didn't intend to do it, but... I found that every year there's a new food that I get super deep into that I hadn't previously been a big fan of. Do you remember the first thing? French onion soup. That was back in 2011. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, 2011 was a big year for French onion soup. I tried it for the first time and I just lost my mind. Uh, And I was sad for all the French onion soup I'd missed before that point. And then the year after that, I think it was ketchup. Ketchup was, yeah, ketchup was 2012. Huge year for me. And ketchup had never been a fan. Then I just couldn't get enough of the stuff. Yeah, he had never really eaten ketchup. Yeah, and then I got super deep into ketchup in 2012. And then 2013 was yogurt. Big year for yogurt for me. Just Justin's getting... diet was very limited, I think, prior to, I don't me. Have you guys but... tried yogurt? Have you guys tried this thing, yogurt? Uh, it is a, uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's great. But anyway, we got a new smash food for 2014, and it is fr- salad oh great choice thank you well my brother griffin has a system called cookie points where he awards me points i can redeem for cookies dependent on salad and or vegetables that i eat so i wanted to start racking up more cookie points and the best way of doing that is to eat a lot more salad that's great i, I mean i'm glad you're gonna start eating salad i'm in like, I like three salad. dressings that i like and i'm really right. finding a lot of great things to try well hold up on the dressings but this is great this is great the best thing about salad Sid? What is that? Other than that crunchy taste that you just can't get enough of, and it fills you up, and also croutons? Right, right. Well, definitely croutons. No, the best thing about it is the vitamins. Okay. Green and leafy means vitamins for me, Fee. Do you think that everything green and leafy has... Like the, the, that's where all vitamins are rich. just green leafy yeah that's things, where your that? your high concentrations of vitamins are and i know that because i'm eating salad i'm getting a lot of vitamins which which vitamins in particular do you think you're getting vitamin d or maybe K? Uh, well maybe vitamin yeah, s maybe for do, salad well, okay do you know what? Do you know anything about vitamins? I literally don't. 
I literally suggested this Sawbones topic to you because I have no idea what vitamins are. I I don't know if you got a big pile of vitamins, would it be like <laughs> dust? Like what I I don't know what vitamins are. Well, why don't I tell you what vitamins tell are? Tell me then? what vitamins are. I have no idea. I'll be eating a salad. <laughs> First of all, so what are vitamins? I think yeah. that's a good place to start. What are vitamins? So the definition of vitamins are organic compounds mm-hmm. uh, that humans or whatever organism we're talking about, let's say humans for you know argument's sake, since we are humans. Humans, right. That we absolutely need to survive in small amounts, mm-hmm. but we can't make ourselves. So that's what constitutes a vitamin. If something meets those, you know, um, criteria, if then it's it an organic vitamin. compound that we have to have to survive in very small amounts, but we can't make it, so we need to get it from the food we eat, right? Mm-hmm. The name comes actually from vital amine, vital because it's vital to our survival, and amine because uh, amine is a kind of a type of of chemical compound mm-hmm. has a certain like group amino on acids, it. sort of. Amine refers specifically to um, a certain configuration of oh, okay. of chemicals. But anyway, the important thing is uh, not all vitamins are amines. So the vitamins used to be called vitamines, like with an E on the end. Um, but they later dropped the E and just became vitamin because they found that there are many vitamins that don't that aren't actually amines. Okay. Or well, I shouldn't say many, just really important ones that aren't amines. Okay. So. So vitamin, that's where it comes from. Vitamin, got it. So it's not a new idea that there are things we need from certain foods that are important. Uh, This was something that even before we ever knew what a vitamin was, the ancient Egyptians recognized that if somebody had night blindness and they ate a whole bunch of liver, they got better. Hmm. Now they didn't know why that worked. They probably thought it was magic. Yeah, they probably did. They probably thought it had something to do with with the I don't know the Egyptian god of liver, Don, Don the Egyptian Don god of, the Egyptian god of liver. He got like last pick in yeah. like the uh, liver. <laughs> I, guess. I guess sure. Um, it was actually because liver contains vitamin A, and if you have vitamin A deficiency, you can get night blindness. Did they discover vitamin A first? No, they didn't discover any of that. They just put together that if you eat liver you won't be night blind. Okay. But was vitamin A the first one they came up with? Like was or did they just call it vitamin? Well, they didn't call it anything. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, you're yeah. getting way ahead sorry, of yourself. Sorry. Now let's I'll, I'll get to liver, we start here's naming what we, vitamins. Here's but, what we've established so far. Liver. Okay, moving yeah. on. And this was this is similar as this is the story about vitamins that probably most people know, uh scurvy. I know that one. Vitamin C, pirates. B- Okay, sailors, not just pirates. I think sailors could get to vitamin C. I think it was more a problem for pirates. Sailors had the the foresight to bring citrus fruits with them. Pirates had to plunder to try to get citrus fruits. (laughs) Do you think that's what pirates were after, citrus fruits? Shiver me lemons. (laughs) Stupid. Um, <laughs> what if you could only get what if you had scurvy really bad but the only thing you could get was lemons that's kind of a bummer that's actually a good thing what well i know but not for flavor oh for, well no but Should for vitamin c lemon. it's a yeah. good thing i don't know after months of c you, you, lemon might not be so bad anyway sorry 
getting distracted by lemons. So it's me. Scurvy, as most of you probably already know, it was a disease that involved gum bleeding. I think it's the thing everybody remembers, right? Mm-hmm. Not always the thing people say, like, oh, your gums are bleeding. You've got scurvy. I think of, like being hunched over. That's what I think it was scurvy. I have a hunchback. Well, not necessarily a hunchback, but like you'd be really tired and weak. So <laughs> you might walk hunched over. Okay, that'll work. And it seemed to disproportionately affect sailors. But also they noticed like a seasonal variation hmm. during winter months. People were more likely to get scurvy, huh. which would make sense because in a time before we could have anything we want any time of the year, you wouldn't have access to citrus fruits. That makes perfect sense to me. During the winter. Um, in 1747, James Lind noticed this and figured out that fresh fruits seem to cruise that had access to fresh fruits seem not to get the disease known as scurvy and so he started advising crews to take fresh fruits with them not again not, not knowing, knowing right. about vitamin c or what anything was just knowing that people who ate fresh fruit didn't get scurvy now obviously like any other good idea it was com- it was completely rejected at first oh yeah nobody yeah. nobody believes this maybe the, they're sailors they don't need that kind of junk fruits for sissies we'll have mead <laughs> And steak meat and steak meat and salted steak that's what fills a sailor's belly Arrgh. didn't they just eat like hard tack hard tack and salted steak and mead that's all i need chevrolet timbers they actually thought that um scurvy was caused by <clears throat> having bad hygiene and that it happened when the sailor's morale was low <laughs> so if you had just like I don't know, throw a pizza party for him. And right, what's wrong, with, what's wrong with you, Reggie? I don't know, Captain. I, I think it's just the scurvies. That's the Mondays before <laughs> before they had the Mondays. They didn't have Mondays in pirate times, so they would call them the scurvies. That's what Garfield had. He had scurvy. Pirate Garfield back in that, that time, in the 1700s, 1600s, 1700s, he had, uh, he had the scurvies. You, d- you don't get enough vitamin C from lasagna. That's, that's absolutely accurate. In the 1800s, there was a lot of interest in trying to figure out, like, what is a good diet? Like, what do you need to survive? I don't know if this was so that we could feed uh, the poor as little as absolutely possible. But one way or another, we were trying to figure out which things are critical to survival in a diet. So the way that they went about trying to figure out which things are important was by feeding... Um, various animals especially mice just certain components of the diet and then seeing like which ones lived and which ones died and trying to piece together like okay if we give this one just protein and this one just carbs and what if we give this one protein and carbs and what they found and like the control was milk they would give the mice milk for the control group okay and what they found is that um that's half carbs half protein no but it has they knew that mice survived when they had milk okay so what they kept finding was that they would break milk down into the main constituents, which you did say, you know, protein and carbs. It also has fat and it also has salt in it. So they would break milk down into those components and then feed it to mice altogether. So mm-hmm. one group of mice got milk and the other group got protein, carbs, fat, and salt. Mm-hmm. And those mice still died, hmm. which led them to believe there was something in milk that we need that you know we can't isolate that easily something we don't know about yet so there you know, is I something give, in like naturally occurring foods i give old timey people a hard time a lot on this program that's actually pretty good pretty good thinking back then 
It, it was a good way to, to illustrate that there was more to food than, than what we knew at the time, but it, we still were a long way from figuring out exactly what that was. Hmm. Um, this continued in the late 1800s with uh, some experiments with the Japanese Navy. Uh, and they were eating a, mainly a diet of polished rice, which means that they would remove like the husk mm-hmm. from the, the rice kernel, the rice grain, grain. Yeah, yeah, the rice grain. Um, and they found that the the crew, you know, like the, I don't know, the lowest rung of the Navy. Right. Whatever. I don't know anything about ranks. The peasants. The, pe- the peasants in the Navy. Mm-hmm. The, the na- naval peasants. Okay. Uh, they were just eating rice, this polished rice, and they were all getting sick. And the officers were eating like normal diets, like normal human diets with varied foods, not just rice, and they were not getting sick. Okay. And specifically, they were getting sick with something called beriberi. Okay. Um, beriberi causes a lot of different symptoms. Uh, some of the more notable ones, uh, difficulty walking and like pain in your numbness and tingling in your legs and feet. It can even lead to dementia, heart failure. It can make you really sick. So it was a big deal if, you know, you're, a lot of members of your Navy are being stricken by this horrible disease. The way they figured out... Uh, what was probably the cause was actually chickens. Hmm. They were feeding like naval surplus rice to chickens. And they found that chickens that were eating this like sweet, sweet Navy rice were getting berry berry hmm. more often. And yet chickens who were just eating like natural unprocessed rice didn't get this disease. So they figured out that there's something in like the husk of the of the rice grain. That we needed to, to thrive. Exactly, that we need to survive. It turned out to be a, a B1 vitamin, thiamine. We didn't know that again at the time, but um, this is when we really thought, okay, so we know where this thing that is important exists. It's in this little husk on the rice grain. Let's start trying to find it. And so that was the first one we did discover. In 1910, we found thiamine, or vitamin B1, as it was later known, in rice bran. Mm-hmm. And after that, the race was basically on. To find vitamins. Yes. So we figured out there was this one vitamin. We guessed there were probably a lot more. And over the next 30 years, that's exactly what people did. Um, they started isolating vitamins. Uh, initially, there were like vitamins A, B, C. We know about A, B, C, D, E, right? Right. We know about all those. And then K. And a lot of people are like, well, why, you know. Why do we skip around? It's a great question. I Where are the know. other vitamins? I hope you're not asking me. I hope you research this. No, I, I know. No I'm going to tell you why. Thank God. <laughs> because initially they just kept naming them each after a letter of the alphabet. A and then B and Q. And they kept going on. Except they started to discover that a lot of these vitamins were really closely related. Hmm. So then they started grouping them all as B vitamins. That's just, why you get B1, 2, 3, you know, okay. et cetera. Um, there were also a lot of other letters of the alphabet, as you can tell, you know, specifically between E and K. Yeah, we skipped around there. Right. But we eliminated all those when we grouped them with B vitamins. And then there were some things that we figured out that weren't vitamins. Like, we can make that so it doesn't classify as a vitamin or it's not really important. Did we stop at K? Is there a vitamin L? I don't know about There were other vitamins, but they've been eliminated. Oh, oh man. I miss those vitamins. What if we needed those? What if that's what makes you super tall? There was the proposed vitamin S at one point. From salad? No. I proposed it earlier. We can pretend it's salad. Okay. Okay. What was it? Salicylic acid. 
but that's not a vitamin. What's the difference? Well, I don't know. We don't need it. We just decided? No, we need it. We just decided it wasn't a vitamin. Fine. God, you scientists. I don't know. It didn't fit the, de- fit the definition. It's Fine. not a vitamin. Fine. That's the important thing. Um, and as we were discovering all these vitamins, a lot of people won Nobel Prizes for them. And vitamin fever was sweeping the scientific community. Right. It, it was like a really exciting time if you're into vitamins. And I am. Look at how much salad I eat. <laughs> we isolated all these vitamins. We figured out what uh, must be in a healthy diet. And this was when we started, you know, realizing like, oh, okay, well, rickets is caused by vitamin D deficiency. So people need enough vitamin D to prevent that. And, you know, scurvy is vitamin C. And uh, there were all kinds of things. You know, you can get anemia if you don't have B6 or B12. And there were dermatitis mm-hmm. and blindness can result from lack of vitamin A, uh, bleeding problems from lack of vitamin K. So we figured all this out, and that's great. The end. And there were no problems. Perfect. Until. Until. Obviously, there's some break where we stop seeing vitamins as something that we're supposed to make sure we eat the right foods to get that small amount that we need to survive. And we start considering vitamins something we're all supposed to take as a health supplement, which I think is kind of how they're viewed today. Yeah, kind of a magic, kind of a magic bullet. I think if you if you have enough of you know these vitamins, then you'll be fine. There, there were of course a lot of people doing experiments, you know, before what I'm going to mention with vitamins, trying to figure out you know if a little bit is good is a lot better. Uh, but Linus Pauling is really where we see vitamins take off. Now, if you are in, if you are a, of, a, of a science mind, if you are a science person. And you know I am. You've probably heard of Linus Pauling. Oh, sure. Tell me one thing about Linus Pauling, honey. I have a, your sheet in front of me. That's not really fair. Oh, okay. Before you looked at my sheet, did you know anything about Linus Pauling? No, I didn't. So here, let me just p- say this before I start making fun of him he was a really brilliant scientist <laughs> like super smart guy he won two nobel nobel prizes um the first one he he wrote about the uh, bonds between uh, elements mm-hmm. and when he when he submitted his paper to be reviewed they actually sent it to einstein to look at wow because they didn't think there was anybody smart enough to figure out like is this paper good is this stuff correct this guy making this up and einstein looked at it and was like i I don't don't know it's way smarter than i am basically wow so this is the guy this this is how smart this guy is um the second nobel prize he won by the way was for peace he he won a peace prize because he worked really hard to stop nuclear proliferation he refused to join the manhattan project because as you can imagine he was they wanted him for it. Right. Um, he was instrumental in creating the nuclear test ban treaty. Uh, he, I mean, he was a really great, smart, super cool guy. Cool. But when he was 65, I think he must have gone a little nutty. All right. He didn't get enough vitamin K <laughs> or vitamin S, maybe. He gave a lecture about, I don't know, something sciencey, And during the lecture, he talked about, you know, when if he is lucky enough to live another 25 years then perhaps we'll see and he talked about scientific advancement mm-hmm. so total just throwaway line in his little lecture but a dr Irwin stone who i should clarify was not actually a doctor per se 
Um, he studied chemistry for two years, and he got an honorary degree from a chiropractic school, and then he got a PhD from a correspondence school that didn't have accreditation. So we lose we use doctor here very loosely. Got it. He was at the like, lecture, uh, like Doctor Feelgood. Yes, like Doctor Feelgood, <laughs> or Doctor Pepper. Right. So Dr. Irwin Stone was at the lecture and he wrote him a letter afterwards and he was like, hey, look, I can make sure you live 25 more years or even way longer than that. All you got to do is take 3000 milligrams of vitamin C every day. That's a lot. It seems it is. It's it's well above the recommended daily value. One might say it's three grams of vitamin C. That's true. That is true. And for some reason, this brilliant genius scientist did it this is the problem with super smart people i think that uh, a lot of people miss and we see it repeated thematically throughout history and i think this probably applies to a lot of the people on our program is that smart people are so smart they can talk themselves into almost anything i think this must have been one of those cases and i don't know maybe it was also a little bit of like he was 65 and he was starting to look down the road and think like i don't know I'm smart enough to know I only have so many more years left. Maybe I'll give it a shot. Who knows? So he tried it, and he felt better. So he took more than that, and he thought he felt even better. Wow. And then he was off. So vitamin Just C. oranges, get out of the way. Don't keep an orange around this cat. He, <laughs> he has to eat, like, insane, uh, wimpy-level amounts of, like, as wimpy is to hamburgers, this gentleman is to oranges. Do not let an orange get into his... He's like Mr. Peepers. He just destroys it. That's a hit Saturday Night Live reference you're making right It's not as old as my freaking uh, Popeye reference from 15 seconds <laughs> earlier, though. Thank you for, for letting that one slide. <laughs> so in 1971, Linus Pauling wrote Vitamin C in the Common Cold, which sold it was a book he wrote and it sold like crazy i would imagine it probably sold a lot more copies than the paper he wrote on the bonds between electrons and various elements i, I think he maybe just wanted some money <laughs> it sounds like he wanted he was worried about vitamin c r e a m as in cash rules everything around me he wanted to get paid Linus <laughs> pauling was no nut he was willing to eat 30 oranges a day if it meant he could sell you his stupid book he was a man of science. I like to think that at least he truly believed this. Yeah. He believed that you could take massive doses of vitamin C, and it would not only cure your cold if you had it, but it would prevent you from ever getting a cold. And in this way, we could completely eradicate the common cold. I'm, pre- I'm being pretty hard on a dude that is putting out some things that I myself have attempted upon getting a cold. Yes, you have. Absolutely. That's part of why we're going to talk about vitamin C quite a bit. Excellent. Uh, in 73, he added flu to this. He actually talked about predicting like swine flu epidemics that could happen in the future and did, to be fair. But he thought we could have prevented all these epidemics that have happened since by just eating enough vitamin C. And in response to this, vitamin sales went bonkers. Um, everybody was reading this book and going out and buying as much vitamin C as they could. Couldn't, couldn't make it fast enough. Um, this, even at this point in 71, was not a particularly new idea. I mean, I, I already talked about this so-called Dr. Erwin Stone who came up with this idea. It wasn't his idea either. A lot of people had tried to prove, you know, if a little is good, a lot is better. And no studies had, are, had ever really shown any 
benefit. It's a very potent idea, though, if you don't have if you're not looking at the data that this thing is good for this thing. So, as as my old drama teacher, uh, 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 Professor Anthony used to say, one rubber chicken is funny. One thousand rubber chickens, one thousand times as funny. <laughs> Well, I think that vitamin C, I think that's a good comparison because vitamin C is about effect, effective on a cold as a rubber chicken would be. So <laughs> there you Pardon. go. And no matter how many more studies were done in response to his claims and the publicity that vitamin C was getting, um, proving that it didn't have any impact on a cold, it didn't matter. The, you know, it, the impact of his book was not to be touched by any science at that point. So he took it a step further. He added cancer. Uh Uh-oh. He got hooked up with a Scottish surgeon who had done a study where he gave 10 grams of vitamin C a day, 10 grams. So that's a lot of vitamin C. a lot of vitamin C. uh, To cancer patients in an effort to help them get better faster. And what his study showed is that the patients that got it, that got the vitamin C, he felt were improving, in addition to their chemotherapy and everything, were improving faster than the patients who didn't. So he sent a copy of his study to Linus Pauling, and Linus Pauling was, of course, thrilled. Deeply into it. Uh, He tried to get it published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, which is abbreviated... Can you say that there for me, Justin? Penass. (laughs) Penis, penis, penis. Yeah, the scientists really. Do you You're have to be that oblivious? No, I, I like to think they don't realize it. No. Come on. Come on. Come on. You're giving us all a bad name. Come like on. Like some of us have common sense. So he tried to get it published there because he was a member, and it was essentially a given that if you submitted a study and you were a member of this, you know, group that you your study would be published because it was a respect thing. There'd been like one turned down ever or something. Mm-hmm. And this one was turned down. This is number two? This was number two. It did later get published in a journal, Oncology, obviously because, you know, oncologists would be interested in this study. Um, But it was picked apart as well. Uh, They found lots of flaws in the study. The people who were given the vitamin C were already healthier and already doing better and less advanced in their cancer. And so there were all kinds of flaws with the way this study was set up. I'm guessing this cow is not deterred. Oh, no. No, not at all. for the next decade, this led to oncologists studying vitamin C cool, uh, cool blind alley. on cancer Linus. patients. Um, because as you can imagine, as soon as this you know, became an issue in the media, as soon as this was a big thing and uh, patients and patients' families started hearing about it, they were clamoring for more research. You know, they were asking their doctors, can we give can we try the vitamin C thing? You know, this brilliant guy Pauling says it works. Right. There's that study. Um, so they did all these studies, and again, they didn't really show anything. We're still not seeing any positive effects from giving mega doses of vitamin C to patients. So then he decided, you know what, vitamin C's starting to get old, and eventually they're going to be on to the fact that it's not working. So let's add some other vitamins. Oh, good branch out so he added vitamin a vitamin e uh, and then he threw in a couple other things selenium uh, beta carotene in addition to your vitamin c of course don't stop your vitamin c and if you will take this regimen i have a paragraph here of things you can fix um 
pretty much anything. Uh, the big ones like heart disease, that's pretty big. Polio, it's a big deal at the time. Tuberculosis, um, ulcers, you know, yeah. diabetes. Uh, just looking at this list here, asthma, uh, heat prostration, wounds. There, pff, it turns <laughs> into Wolverine, apparently. Dysentery, <laughs> whooping cough, leprosy, hay fever. Uh, stress. Stress, <laughs> rabies, snake bites. And also it says here, AIDS. Yeah, so as the um, as HIV became a known illness and as the AIDS epidemic hit the U.S., uh, he went ahead and threw that on the list, too. So that sounds suspiciously to me like a cure-all, Sydney. And as we know from doing us, uh, over 60 episodes of Sawbones or so, cure-alls cure, cure nothing. nothing. Absolutely. Um, this This vitamin fever that was now sweeping the country because it really was in response to, as you can imagine, in response to patients' demand for vitamins, vitamin manufacturers were making more and more and more. And um, more companies were popping up with different combinations of vitamins and billing them for different things because with every uh, study that was done that you know investigated something, people at least were wanting to try it out themselves because it gives it, I think just doing a study gives it an air of credibility. Yeah, I think like so. if you are studying whether or not vitamin C can cure cancer, then somebody thinks vitamin Serious C can cure cancer. people somewhere are looking at it, yeah. And so this led to, in 1992, uh, Time Magazine running a cover story about vitamins, which talked about a lot of some of these crazy claims, not saying that they were necessarily true, but just throwing them out there and not mentioning the fact that there wasn't any evidence for them. Right. Um, and so at this point, you know, everybody wanted to take a vitamin. And, and I should say at this point what the theory was. Because at this, by the time this Time Magazine article ran, they had a justification for why they thought, even though the studies weren't bearing it out, why they thought taking megadoses of vitamin C, A, E, whatever, would actually make you healthier. Why is that? So you've heard of antioxidants. Right. The general idea, I think, from a layperson standpoint, is that oxidation in your body is bad. Right. Agreed. Because we want antioxidants, Rust. right? Right. Right, because you rust inside. Because you rust on the inside, because your action winds down. Got it. <laughs> the The real reason is that oxidation causes free radicals. And if even if you don't know what free radicals are, you've heard they're bad, right? some of right? the rust being knocked off and floating around your body, basically. Uh, kind of. Let's go you with You could it. say that. Not, not rust, but yeah, I like that analogy. Okay. So even if you don't know what free radicals are, you know they're bad. Mm-hmm. They kill things. They kill cells. They damage our DNA. So... If vitamins are antioxidants and oxidation is bad, taking more vitamins will stop more oxidation. It will stop damage to our cells. It will stop damaging DNA. Uh, We will not age as quickly and we will live longer. Sounds right. And be healthier. That sounds exactly right to me. Except that we keep doing studies and showing that it isn't. Hmm. So this is when things get really scary. Uh, after everybody goes crazy taking vitamins, we start doing big giant meta-analysis, big studies that look at all studies. Like a meta-analysis is an analysis of other analyses, if that makes sense. Like we're looking at a ton of different studies all at once. Meta-studies. So, so now we're looking at like hundreds of thousands of patients and the effect of vitamins on them. 
So we did these huge studies in 94, 96, 2004, 5, 7, 8, and 11. So these are multiple studies over many years. And they looked at people who took multivitamins, people who took vitamin C, people who took vitamin A, combos of vitamins, all versus people who didn't. And here's the scary thing. Not only did they find that people who take vitamins don't live any longer than people who don't take vitamins, but they found that people who take vitamins are more likely to develop problems like lung cancer, prostate cancer, and heart disease. And that they didn't fare as well when they were battling certain cancers and other conditions. So they actually, this got so bad, the study that they did in 96, the differences between the two groups were so drastic that they had to stop the study. Because if you're seeing, you know, if you've got a study where you're testing this out, like if I give group A this drug and group B doesn't, let's see who does better. If group A starts dying like crazy, you kind of have to stop the study. I love that it, they waited a good eight years to before they tried it, absolutely tried it again. All right, it's time to fire this thing back up. <laughs> what happened eight years ago? I don't. I didn't know any of those fools. Let's do it again. They probably did it wrong. They probably did it wrong. We're better at this. Vitamins can't hurt you. They're good for you. So, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like they did all these studies that showed that not only are we not seeing, you know, people avoiding cancer and heart disease and living forever with vitamins but depending on which study you look at you saw worse outcomes um and this has not deterred any research there are still like two thousand studies done a year or i should say papers published a year who knows how many studies are being done but there are two thousand published papers a year on vitamin c that's if you look at that in american research dollars that's probably around $60 million. Oh, holy crap. So nobody found any evidence that vitamins are doing any better. Um, but that obviously has not st- not stopped the vitamin train. And what happened with Pauling? Well, Linus Pauling died of prostate cancer in 1994. Um, well, that is very unfortunate. I'm sorry to hear that, Linus. But Brilliant for- scientist. I mean, really, super, super cool guy. Obviously did many, many great things. And to be fair, he should be remembered for all those other things. Let's focus on those folks. And not the vitamin C so much. But I think that it really did strike uh, what I would say is, I would say is like an epidemic in this country of vitamin usage. That's like me. I prefer to think of Jenny McCarthy from her work on Singled Out. I'm (laughs) I'm a glasses half full kind of guy. Uh, But uh, this is a thing. Okay, so I need to ask you. Uh huh. What vitamins should people take? Are Apparently, they, if okay. you take some, you don't get scurvy. If you take one more than you need, you die of cancer. Here's the thing. Vitamins. Here's the thing to remember about vitamins. Okay. Okay. First of all, this does not apply to pregnant women. If you are pregnant, you should take a prenatal vitamin. We have good evidence that shows in pregnancy, taking specifically folic acid, but all of the things you get in a prenatal vitamin are a good idea. So this does not apply to pregnant women. Everybody else, especially if you live in the U.S. or in another developed country, your diet almost certainly contains all the vitamins you need unless you don't eat or you have a very strict diet, you know, so this like some um, very strict vegans might be in danger of not getting certain vitamins if they don't pay attention to what they're eating. Um, but for the most part, if you don't limit certain parts of your diet, you're just getting all the vitamins you need. It's almost, it, it's almost hard not to. 
if you ever want to know, just take a look at the back of like even processed foods like chips and stuff. And you'll see that there are vitamins in those that you didn't even know you were getting. Uh, more than likely, you don't need any vitamins. You see this uh, uh, so supplements, much. Supplements, I mean, any vitamin supplements. You see this so much that you almost get, you know, you almost get inured to it. But like you, you look at your cereal and like they literally, it says fortified with vitamins. Like they spray cereal with vitamins. Like Yes. There are tons of vitamins in your food. A normal balanced diet should supply you with, because remember, one of the definitions of a vitamin is that you only need it in trace amounts. So a normal diet should provide you with all the vitamins you need. Now, I will say that vitamin D is a really hot research area right now. Um, And this is probably related to the fact that in order for vitamin D to be active in your body, you have to be exposed to sunlight. Hmm. And I don't know, maybe it's just evolutionarily, we're not spending a lot of time in the sun now, Um, especially, you know, we wear a lot more sunscreen and we try not to go out as much for the fear of skin cancer, which is something we should not ignore. Um, But as a result, we are finding that some people are vitamin D deficient as adults that we didn't know previously. But again, unless your doctor tells you you're deficient in a vitamin, and we can check for the ones that we're worried about, unless we tell you that you're deficient, you don't need to be taking a multivitamin. So there you have it straight from the sister's mouth. Oh, and a B12 shot will not give you energy. It will not, unless you are deficient in B12. So don't ask your doctor for a B12 shot. I get asked that all the time. Specifically, if your doctor is Sydney, please don't ask me for a B12 shot. <laughs> no, shot. unless you're deficient, it will not help. Thank you so much for listening to our show, Sawbones. I want to tell you about something pretty exciting. We're doing a, uh, a live show in Huntington, West Virginia, our hometown where we live, with my brother, my brother, and me, the advice show that I do with my brothers, uh, on December 21st at 7 p.m., uh, it's going to be a hoot and a half, I think. It's called My Brother, My Brother, and Me, Home for the Candle Nights, Holiday Spectacular, Live from Huntington, West Virginia, with Sawbones, or featuring Sawbones, one of the two. Which would you prefer? You want to be with or featuring? Um, I think with. Featuring sounds like more pressure. It's a lot of pressure. Uh, we're going to be doing that at Huntington's City Hall. Uh, we'll be hanging out afterwards, and uh, I have a whole list of fun activities to do uh, in Huntington that you can find on the my brother made group and I'll put on Sawbones group too if you want but uh, we think it's going to be a lot of fun tickets are going fast uh, we sold like around 150 today when they went on sale uh, so we're, we're they're, they're going fast you should get them and come to the show it's going to be great you can go to mbmbamcandlenights.brownpapertickets.com and that will be uh, where you can get tickets to, uh, to the show and uh, they're 15 bucks so come on out and check out, I think you posted this and maybe Travis did too. There are a lot of cities that are surprisingly close to Huntington, West Virginia. Yeah, Lexington's two hours away. Louisville, Cincinnati, Columbus, you're all three hours away. Uh, if you got to four hours, I think we hit like Pittsburgh and mm-hmm. what, Indianapolis. Yeah, and I've driven to a, a lot of those places to see concerts before. I've driven yeah. to D.C. to see concerts That's only before. five hours, I think. What, D.C.? D.C.? About six or seven. Okay. Well, you know, close. Yeah. But uh, MBMBA, We're worth it. That, that address again is mbmbamcandlenights.brownpapertickets.com. So go get them and come hang out. It'll be fun. Yeah. Chuck's already got her ticket. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's uh, we're, we're on the Maximum Fun Network with my brother, my brother and me, and a lot of other great shows like Destination DIY, Baby Geniuses, Stop Podcasting Yourself, Bullseye, One Bad Mother. My uh, Brother, My Brother and Me. I said that. Well, I mean, I said that at the beginning 
You already said that? I said it like at the beginning, but I appreciate the double plug. Though. I'm always supposed to. I know. I, I it's took my that. Thing. It's, it's your my right. Patter. It's your right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're all at MaximumFun.org, so go listen to some of those shows. Thank you to the taxpayers for uh, the use of their song Medicines as our opener and our closer, and that's going to do it for us. Uh, until next time, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.